Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. preach my sermon. I would have uh, really enjoyed the personal anecdotes you would have brought to, uh, to it. But, um, yeah, how are you guys doing today? Good. Good to hear. Uh, it is a pleasure to, to, to be with you here today. If you're new again, want to say welcome. Um, in the back, we've got a gift for you. There's a coffee mug. We'd love to connect with you if you scan the QR code and give us your information. Love to follow up with you and, and connect throughout the week. Um, as we begin today, I just want to say uh, it is my deep desire that the gospel would be loudly proclaimed our hearts would genuinely praise our Lord and that we would desperately see our need for a Savior and find our lives transformed by Jesus Christ. And I hope you would join me in that today. Um, I want to ask a a question to you guys to to begin. How many of you have ever had your mouth washed out with soap before? (laughs) Lawrence, yeah. Recently? Okay. <laughs> you said it so strongly. I thought maybe that was like a recent memory. <laughs> who, who probably should have had your mouth washed out with soap? Yeah, probably all of us, right? Um, when I was a kid, I, I remember uh, one time when my mom washed my mouth out with soap. I don't exactly remember how old I was, um, but I was very upset with uh, my mom. I don't, I don't even remember really what it was for, um, but I was super angry with her, and I had this big temper tantrum, okay? Um, whatever, whatever the situation was, I, it was just so mad, and I ended up calling my mom a name. I'm not going to say what I called her. Uh, We'll refer to it today as the J word, because as far as I know, there's no J word. Um, But anyway, so I said, um, Mom, you are such a J word. And she stopped, and she walked away. uh, And when she came back, after she had calmed down, she came back and she said, Graham, do you know what a J word is? And I said, no, um, because no one had ever taught me what a J word was. They had just called each other that on the playground. And so she said, a J word is this. And she said, she explained to me what a J word was. And um, I was really embarrassed because I did not know what I had said. I didn't know the power of, of the word that I had just used. And I was really embarrassed because I had really hurt my mom, right? And so I got my, my mouth washed out with soap. Uh, it was bar soap, too, not liquid. I don't know if that, I think that makes it a little bit worse, right? Um, and so I never used the J word ever again. Um, and so I, I share that with you because today we are talking about the power of our words. And we're going to be talking about what God has to say about the words that we use. Probably many of us can relate to saying something that we shouldn't have said. Maybe you curse, maybe you've lied, maybe you have a hard time not gossiping about others. Uh, Whatever it is, we probably all struggle with our words and and, uh, using our words that, that God has intended. 
And so today what we're going to see is the power that our words have to do good or to do harm and the responsibility that we have as image bearers of God to use our words wisely. Um, today we're continuing in our series in the book of James called Faith in a Broken World. And uh, in this series, we are, are looking at how God calls us to have faith in difficult situations. So how do we live out our faith when it is tough, um, when, when things kind of seem impossible? I, I would say this book paints two vivid pictures for us. One, uh, it paints a picture of a sinful world full of trouble that we also contribute to. Uh, and two, it, it, it paints a picture of practical ways to live out true faith in Jesus by the grace of God. And so again, today we'll be looking at the sin that we contribute to the world by not using our words as we ought to. And then we'll be looking at how we can have true faith in Jesus by using our words as he has intended. I'm going to begin by sharing a few main points for us today. Um, here's a few things that I want us to focus on. Um, number one, guard your speech for it has immense power. Guard your speech for it has immense power. Two, guard your speech for you are an image bearer of God. Guard your speech for you are an image bearer of God. Number three, guard your speech for it is a reflection of your heart. And number four, guard your speech by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read our, our text for today, and then we'll begin to unpack it. Today we're going to be in James chapter 3. Uh, James chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and, and we're going to begin in verse 1. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you to follow along. Um, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Again, James, 3, uh, James chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and beginning in verse 1, it says this. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea, sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the, in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth... From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray, and we're going to dive into our text for today. Um, God, we ask that you would speak to, to, to us today 
through your word. Um, we um, ask just to, to be humbled and, and to, um, to, to see how powerful our words are. And God, we, we ask that you would change our hearts so that we can speak the way you have intended. God, would we breathe life into people as you have and not tear people down with our words? Would you, would you make us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus? Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's, let's dive right in here. Our, our text starts off with a warning to those who desire to teach. Right? So, so James begins with this warning. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So according to Scripture... Those who teach are going to be judged by a higher standard. As I was studying this week, I read a commentator named Douglas Moo uh, who said that during this time, there were many people who desired to be teachers in the church. He says too, too, many, people, uh, too many were seeking the status of teacher without the necessary moral and perhaps also intellectual qualifications. So I think this helps to understand why James warns those who desire to teach. Right? What, what we see is that God has a higher standard for what comes out of our mouths. And it really shows us the severity with which God takes our words. It's clear that God takes our speech very seriously. So uh, in this room, there are multiple people who share this teaching platform, some from the pulpit, others perhaps through discipleship or, or through a, a members gathering teaching setting. Uh, some of you may also strive to teach. Maybe having influence in others' lives is something that's appealing to you. Um, and that can be a really good thing to strive for. So if that's you, let me begin by saying this. Uh, there is an extra responsibility for those of us to use our words wisely. Right? Scripture says those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So our words matter. What we say is important to God and therefore ought to be important to us. Uh, with that being said, uh, let me be clear. The, the application of this passage shouldn't be, well, there are consequences for my words, therefore I should not desire to teach. Right? The application ought to be, rather, let me not be flippant in my speech if I desire to teach. And if you're someone who, who uh, cannot control what you say, maybe uh, you, you shouldn't be someone who teaches, but take care to see how serious God takes our words and seek to speak in a way that honors him. Uh, for those in the room who don't desire to speech, uh, to, to speak, everyone desires to speak, I hope. Um, for those who don't desire to teach, what we see through the rest of our passage has clear implications to all of us. Regardless of our ability or desire to teach, speech matters to God. And so let's look at what James has to say in the rest of the text. Uh, first thing uh, I want us to see uh, for us today, guard your speech for it has immense power. Um, the picture that, that we're uh, given to begin is that sometimes the smallest things have the most power. Sometimes things that are ever so small have such a great effect. And I think we all know this, right? I, I enjoy making hot sauce at home. Uh, my wife and my oldest daughter, Skylar, they don't really enjoy that I make hot sauce. Um, why is because it's really spicy, right? Just a tiny drop goes a lot 
a long way. And I know I have ruined many pots of stock for them because I've added just a little bit of hot sauce. Um, and James uses this same argument here as well. He gives us three examples to look at. Right? So first he, he tells us to consider the example of a horse. Right? Horses are large beasts. They are powerful. They can run incredibly fast. And yet they are controlled by a small bit that we put in their mouths. This tiny little bit of, of metal controls where this animal goes. Then he uses the example of ships, right? Ships even bigger than horses, right? They're, they're powered by massive winds, and yet it takes just a very small rudder that the pilot uses to guide where a ship will go. Finally, he uses the example of a forest fire, and I'm sure we can all imagine the, the destruction a, a forest fire can cause, right? Yet it begins with just a tiny spark. A small fire that, it, that is not under control can cause a world of destruction. And so I think we get the point here, right? Sometimes the smallest of things can be the most powerful. And if not taken seriously, can cause the most damage. And, and James says the same goes for our tongue. It's the same with our words. And, and I think this is something that we would probably all agree with but we often forget to apply it to our lives because it is often difficult to see the severity of our words. I'm going to use an example that I've heard from a pastor before. Um, he said this. He said, often, often we think there are some sins uh, that are bigger than others, right? Is that fair to say? Um, some, some sins we deem more serious than others. For example, we would look at murder or adultery as very serious sins, right? They are grave, there are grave consequences for them. They're, we would probably consider them some of the worst sins to commit. And don't get me wrong, some of what we consider very large sins cause a lot of destruction. They ruin relationships. Uh, they, they cause rifts between people and sometimes worse. Um, but they're often not what destroys the church. Right? Often what divides churches are what we consider small sins, right? Lies, gossip, slander, these have the power to divide the entire church. Lies and gossip are contagious, unlike these big sins, right? They can spread throughout a whole congregation. They pit uh, uh, one person against another. They ruin unity within believers. And so we need to stop viewing them as small sins. Uh, the book of, of James has often been given the nickname the, the Proverbs of the New Testament, and rightfully so. Um, here are a few ways that the book of Proverbs describes our speech. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12, uh, sorry, Proverbs 16, 27 says, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Proverbs 18, 7, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Proverbs uh, 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So let's not read these as hyperbole, we ought to take our words as serious as God does. 
I wonder how, how serious us in this room, how, how serious do we take our words? If you lie, slander, or gossip, would you liken it to lighting a forest fire from verse 5? Or even fire from hell, verse 6. How about a restless evil or a deadly poison, verse 8? This is how James describes sin from our lips. So guard your speech for it has immense power. Second, guard your speech for you are an image bearer of God. If we look at verses 7 to 9, what we see is James making clear allusions back to the creation narrative in Genesis 1. You might be thinking, why is that important, right? What, is our, what does that have to do with our speech? Well, that's a great question. Let's, let's take a look a little bit closer here. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible, you may recall what happens in Genesis 1, right? This is the first book of the Bible. And what we see is God created the whole universe. Uh, it goes on to say that God creates land animals. He creates birds. He creates uh, reptiles. And he creates sea creatures. Okay? Then what does he create? Then God creates humans. He creates us. It says he created man in the image of God. And our purpose is to have dominion over the created world, to, to subdue it, it says. It says this in, in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over, and over the birds of the heavens over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? Now, let's shift over. Let's, let's compare this to what's written in the book of James. James uses almost identical language here. Let's look at, at the creation language he, he uses. It says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed. Or the, uh, that word's also been translated as subdued. Um, and, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Right? Very similar language to what we see in Genesis 1. So why would James use the same creation language that we see in Genesis? Why does he, he tie this all back to, to the beginning? Well, I want us to look at a couple of reasons. James does so because he wants to show us something about us, and he wants, us to show, uh, wants to show us something about God. Let's look at what he says about us first. So when, when God created us in the beginning, right, he created us with a purpose. What is that purpose? We were made in the image of God, and we were to have dominion over all of creation. Right? We were to rule creation as God does, creating order out of the created world. Right? It says to have dominion. Right? And, and, and yet, what James is saying is, yeah, you may be able to subdue the animals as you are called to, but you are not even able to subdue yourself. Humans cannot even control their own tongue. And, and, and what the mouth does, the body follows, right? What, what we say will manifest in how we behave. It is, so so it is, uh, it's great that we can tame the rest of creation, right? That's, that's all fine and good. But we ought to tame our own tongue first. For that is part of our purpose as image bearers of God. 
And to, to, to go off that as image bearers of God, we were made to reflect God to the world. And again, the first words of the Bible tell us something about God that we were made to reflect. Let's take a look. In, in Genesis 1, how does God create the world? He does, through, he, he does so through his speech, right? He speaks the world into existence. Life comes from nothing by the power of God's word. God makes things that are good from his speech. And so as image bearers of God, we ought to use our speech to speak life into others rather than death. James is saying, go back to the beginning, right? Go all the way back. Yes, you were made to be able to tame the animals, but you cannot even control your own tongue. You were made in the image of God. That means that we ought to be like him. In in that very same narrative, God shows us what it is like to be like him. It is to breathe life into people with our words, not to tear them down. You bless God with your lips, you, but, but you curse other people, that is evil. It is a deadly poison, as he describes it. Um, I remember as, as a child, my, my dad would often correct me as I was being mean to my siblings. He would say, Graham, are you building people up with your words or tearing them down? And as much as I hated it at the time, that's something that stuck with me. So do you w- use your words to build people up or to tear them down? Because they are image bearers of God as well. So as image bearers, we were made to use our words to speak life into others, not death. So guard your speech, for you are an image bearer of God. Next, guard your speech, for it is a reflection of your heart. Let's look at at verse 10 here. It says, from the same mouth come blessing and curse. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth? From the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What James is saying is that what comes out of our mouths is a reflection of what is really in our hearts. And you might think, well, I mostly use my words for good. And yet James says, evil does not come from mostly good. Right? The standard for our speech isn't just mostly good. You would not drink water that was mostly free of E. coli, right? Neither would you call that clean water. So in the same way, troubled speech does not come from a pure heart. James, um, here, he, he undoubtedly gets his, his lesson here from his brother Jesus. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us, he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil produces uh, the evil person out of his own, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Our, fa- our failure ought to show us that we have a heart problem. It's not just minor slip of the tongue. It's not just that we have cursed because they cut us off in in traffic. They cut me off in traffic. It's not just that we told a little lie for the greater good. It's not just that we talked about someone because everyone else around me was doing so. It's that faulty speech comes from a faulty heart. 
when we speak wrong of others, it ought to cause reflection and show us, hey, maybe my heart isn't right in this situation. And so if this is a heart issue, we need to get to more than just saying the right things or not saying the wrong things. If this is a heart issue, then we need to get at the root of the problem. And we need for someone to, to change us from the inside out. And that brings us to our final point. Guard your speech by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to draw our attention back to, to verse 2. James says this, he says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Great, you might think. I have something to strive for here, right? A life of self-control, both with my words and then the rest of myself, right? It is right at my fingertips. How do I do that? Well, let's look at, at verse 8. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue, right? Guard your speech, except you cannot. Not on your own, that is. James has just dangled the carrot in front of your face. He says, here's perfection. And then he tells us, but you are not able to obtain this on your own. Right? No human being can tame the tongue. The point of this text is to show you that you are unable to do this on your own. You do not have the ability to perfect your speech. And if this feels helpless, it is supposed to because you cannot do it on your own, but you can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, David Platt is a pastor in the States. He writes this. He says, do we feel deflated by James' teaching? Good. He says, for as Augustine said, he does not say that no one can tame the tongue, but no one of men, so that when it is tamed, we confess that this is brought about by the pity, the help, the grace of God. So there is hope to guard our speech. However, it is not found within ourselves. It is, found in, it is not found in our own strength, but somewhere else. We can guard our speech by faith in the living word of God, Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of the word of God. The life-giving word that God spoke at creation is Jesus because he is God. He is the word become flesh. He alone has the power to help you with your troubled speech. You may be able to stop cursing or fix up your words a bit, but you cannot fix the problem that is your heart. Only Jesus can. And therefore, we will always have a speech problem unless Jesus fixes our heart problem. But praise God, he will fix our hearts when we put our faith in him. As we wrap up here, uh, I want to share uh, what Peter has to say about Jesus and his words. This is from 1 Peter 2. It says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued in entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Church, this is faith in a broken world. This is not letting evil come out of his mouth in the midst of pure evil. As God was crucified, he did not use his words for destruction, but for good. His last words as he was nailed to the cross were, 
forgive them, for they know not what they do. Life-giving words for those who put their faith in him. And so now having received his spirit, this is what it looks like for us to have faith in a broken world. When we are mocked, when others hurt us, when we're persecuted and wronged, we have the opportunity to deny deceit, reviling, and threats, and to continue entrusting ourselves to him who judges justly. And we have the opportunity to offer forgiveness, to breathe life back into a situation of destruction and death. You can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. He has given us the ability to give life to others with our words, to encourage others, to lift people up, to teach, to praise. There are many different ways to use our words for good, but one of them surpasses all, to share the gospel with people. This is the best way to give life to others, by sharing Jesus with them, God's word. By sharing his forgiveness of sins, his heart for reconciliation, his love for all people. The fact that he adopts us as children into his family and gives us new spiritual life. We have the honor of using our words to share the life, giving good news to people. And what they do with that is not in our hands. But faith in a broken world looks like using our words to give life to others just as Jesus did. Before we, we get into worship here, uh, what I want us to do is to, to take some time uh, and pray together. Um, I was reminded of this from, from James chapter 1. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given and so I, I think it would be wise for us to, to take God at his word here, right? To ask for wisdom to guard our speech, to, to ask for changed hearts, to acknowledge that our words are not a small thing, but they matter to God because they hold immense power. To acknowledge that we have failed to live up to being image bearers of God, speaking life into people, but instead have used our words to tear others down but also to acknowledge the grace that we have received from him and the hope that we have of restoring our speech by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so where, wherever you are, um, I just ask that you gather in groups of two or three um, and pray with one another. Um, when you, you're ready, uh, just feel free to, to pray as you feel led based on, on what we've talked about today. Again, um, ask God for forgiveness. Um, ask for a changed heart. Ask for direction in our speech. Um, so let us go, go to God who forgives us and gives us wisdom and the power to use our words to give life to others. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.